Good morning, Community Life Church. My name is Kyle. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I attend Celebrate Recovery for all of life's hurts, hangups, and habits. Thanks, everyone. We're so excited that you joined us today. Uh, if you came to church last Sunday, uh, you got to see a little bit of an intro into Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we had an amazing testimony last week by Julia. Uh, we're doing it again. So if you're new to Community Life today, or if you missed last Sunday, we're going to do another testimony today, except uh, Jess is going to share her amazing story with us today. If you would, please stand, and we'll go through the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll kick it off with some worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Dear Lord, thank you for letting us be here today, letting us be able to lift up your name and worship. Let us be open in our minds and our hearts as we get to hear the amazing testimony from Jess. Thank you for this amazing church and the opportunity to normalize recovery, uh, showing that it's something that each and every one of us can look at in, inside of ourselves uh, and something that you can put into our hearts, dear Lord, of what you want, the intention in our life. In your name, amen. All right, guys, we're so glad that you're here with us or joining us online. Um, as Kyle said, we're going to start our time in the time of worship and song and praise. So we get to do that. So we'll have the words on the screen, and we invite you guys just to sing along as we all uh, lift up our voices together to Jesus. Oh, you go before 
again church uh, just so good um, to be reminded of that so good to just start our time together in, in just this way and remembering um, everything that Jesus does uh, for us and I read this quote this week that's kind of stuck with me and this is from uh, Charles Spurgeon who he was a pastor back in England in the 1800s um, had some incredible things to say though uh, still very relevant today and um, he just said an ounce of heart knowledge is worth more than a ton of head learning. And so I think of this, that especially just in this um, next song that we'll sing, which is trust in God. And it's just that idea of to really trust in God, to really um, go forth with that. It's totally an act of the heart. It's totally a step of faith um, that can only be done by the heart. And there's so many times that we know things about Jesus, about God, Maybe we don't fully believe it. Maybe we don't trust it. Maybe we don't walk it. And there are two totally different things in that way. And so I know it's it's so hard sometimes, um, sometimes with the big stuff, even the small stuff. But I also know God's got us here for a reason in this room together. Um, it's not an accident. And I know that he's called us each to something. And I know that he wants us to trust him. And if you've kind of been holding off on that, maybe... Um, you know, maybe it's something small or maybe it's something that you just feel like you can do yourself. Just turn it over to him. Trust him. He's worthy of it. He's the only one that can carry it. Maybe it's something bigger. Maybe it's even faith or salvation or just understanding who really is Jesus. What does he mean to me? Is he, is he Lord? Is he Savior? What is he? Um, I would encourage you. He is so worthy and it is so worth it, the journey. So um, here in this moment, in this place, you can choose to take that step of faith. But we're going to worship together because he is worthy of it. We can trust him with it. He's never let us down. Never fail. 
never fail. I know we will never fail. So I trust in God. so grateful that we can come before you and declare that that's such an I mean that's a statement to say trust you and you will never fail to be able to have the confidence that we have Jesus is only because of who you are and father we thank you for providing that way and bringing us back to yourself and that's your desire and that you provide such a clear way to do that Jesus, it's by you and your sacrifice and your blood and your death and your resurrection and your power over sin and death and the grave. We can trust that you're with us, you hear us, you know us, you care for us, you delight in us. God, thank you for all those things that we get lost in our own thoughts so much about, but thank you for this, just a reminder of who you are, what you've done, what you've called us to, how much you love us. God, thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. So we thank you for bringing us together. It really is with such joy that we um, are singing to you and joining in heaven's song with worship. And we look so forward to what's to come. We love you so much. We thank you so much. We praise you so much. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray. Amen. 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 You guys are awesome, man. Thank you for uh, being here. Thanks for singing with us. We love uh, starting our time with that. As you sit down, if you would, just say hello to somebody around you. Welcome them in to CLC. Well, good morning. I hope everybody's doing good this morning. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today at Community Life Church on this amazing Sunday morning. It is so beautiful outside. Uh, my name is Scott Barino, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and it is an honor to have you here in our family room or to have you joining us online. Um, we are just so blessed that you would take this time to spend with us. There's a lot of things you could be doing on a Sunday morning, and, and it means the world to us that, that you're here with us. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And so our hope is that when you discover the source of life, that yes, you'll hold on to it, but then you'll share it with every single person that you encounter. And if there is anything we can do as a church to stand alongside you in this journey, um, we would consider it our, our honor and part of our mission to be able to do that. So, so thank you for being here. So a couple quick announcements, and then we're going to jump into our, our ministry time today. Well, not ministry time. We'll continue on in the service that we've been ministered to all morning this morning. So... Um, a lot of really cool things coming up. The first thing I want to tell you about is third grade Bibles. Now, if you've been at this church for a while, you know that we used to run all the third graders up here, and then we would have like this quick five-minute presentation where we would, they'd throw paper everywhere, and then we'd shove them off in the back hallway, and they'd go on about their stuff, right? I don't know if y'all remember that. Kristen was like, that's not good enough. It's not effective. We want our third graders to know about their Bibles, to understand them. So she has a dinner that's planned coming up on October 25th where we will present all of our third graders with a Bible and their parents, we're gonna come there, have dinner together. And then they have a class where they will walk through, teach them, instruct them, let them know about that Bible, give them some, some tips on how to use that Bible. But then something we're gonna do new this year is the next two Wednesdays following that, we're gonna take and teach them, walk them through how to use the Bible, how to study it, how to apply it. It's just incredible, the program that she's put together. And I'll tell you, I am so proud of our children's ministry. Um, they're not settling just to do the things and check the boxes. They want your children to learn scripture, to understand it, and to know how to use it. So I'm looking forward to being a part of, of those different events and what they're going to be doing. But, but then I asked Kristen, I said, well, what if people just started coming to the church and they have a fourth and fifth grader that didn't get to go to the third grade thing? She said, tell them to register. So if you have fourth and fifth graders and, and you want them to be a part of that as well, go ahead and register. Use the QR code on the left, sign them up, and we look forward to seeing you on the 25th. And um, that's, it's going to be at 6, 6 o'clock on the 25th. I believe that's right. Yeah, 6 o'clock. Um, next week, we will have, on next Sunday night, uh, if you have youth in, in youth ministry, you will get an opportunity to meet 
Um, our u- new youth director, his name is Matt Hull. This dude is awesome. We're so excited to get him here. There's his, his picture right there. And, and he wanted me to tell you that no, they did not misspell meat. That's for all the dads. We want the dads to show up too. And you know if you show up, you're not just going to have to eat lettuce. There will be meat involved. A chance for you to meet Matt and uh, get to, to celebrate with him. Matt, his wife, Shannon, and their awesome daughter, Justice. So come on out next Saturday or Sunday night and get to meet them. This is also the time of season where, as we're moving closer to Thanksgiving, uh, this is when we think about those who maybe need some extra help this time of year. So one of the things that we've always done as a church is to provide Thanksgiving meals for, for families who are really struggling. And that may be you, that may be a family member or someone here in the community that you know. So two things I'm asking you to consider. One is over these next few weeks, um, we have lists out in the lobby. Go ahead and grab a list. When you go shopping at whatever place you love to shop at, pick up a few extra things, drop those off here at the church, and we'll use those to supplement and to fill up these bags for families. If you're a family that needs help, or maybe you know someone, maybe they're in your community, um, let us know. Um, you, can, you can do that by out at the welcome desk, or I think there's probably a registration on that using that QR code to the left. My, my administrative assistant will call and make contact. We do all of this discreetly, so you don't have to worry about us marching you up front and saying a big prayer for you. We're not going to do any of that stuff. What we will do is pray a blessing over the bags, and then we'll get them to you um, throughout the week, that week that we hand them out. But we just want to make sure that, that these families, that you can have time to focus on your family at Thanksgiving and not have to worry about the extra expense. So we'll provide all the stuff that's necessary for that. Um, we've been in a, a little bit different cycle on Sunday morning. So last week and this week, we've been focused on Celebrate Recovery and testimonies, and you're going to get to hear a powerful testimony today. But next week, we'll be back in our normal cycle of teaching, and we're going to have a series on Galatians. So if you want to read ahead, go ahead and read Galatians chapters 1 and 2, and get ready. I'm excited to dive in and, and, t- and teach about um, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And then last but not least, I would love for you, if, if you would allow me to, to go ahead and, and pray for Israel, if that's all right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we we thank you for for these moments, God, where we can settle our hearts in the midst of the turmoil and the chaos that's going on in this world. And um, there there may not be a lot that we understand about the Middle East, but Scripture teaches us that we pray for Israel. And so, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and that's exactly what we do this morning. We pray for wisdom and discernment as they move forward, and we pray that, um, God, you would protect innocent lives Uh, and everything that's going to unfold over these next few days, weeks, and months, and that you would be God. Lord, it's it's to you that we esteem all glory, and uh, we've seen just horrendous brokenness in this world over this last week or so, and uh, we just ask, God, that that you would step in and that you'd allow your Holy Spirit to govern um, throughout this entire process. But we've been instructed to pray for Israel, and God, that's exactly what we do this morning. We trust you. We love you. Um, We know that you've sent us the answer, and that's your son, Jesus. And so we hold on to faith in Christ as, um, as we watch you in this world ultimately bring things to where you need them to be. And we trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Um, so Steve, I want to invite you to come on up. So Steve is our, our director for Celebrate Recovery Ministries here at the church, and he can't hear me. Come on up, bud. Can y'all give Steve a big round of applause? It's... It's been fun presenting on stage with Steve because, because if I'm standing this close to him and he's not looking at me, he has no idea what I'm saying. So I can say anything about Steve that I want to. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Okay, good. <laughs> I heard that. Now I have to be careful. Um, so one of the things that I love about this series, and this is so very important, is as a church, we want to normalize recovery. And not just recovery for substance abuse, all recovery, because here's the truth. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we are all broken individuals. There's no one here that's perfect. There's no one here that's getting it right all the time. And so all of us are in recovery. So if we can normalize the fact that none of us are perfect and that we all have something that God wants to do in our lives, then we can start this process of moving forward. And I think the church, universally the church, the, 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 the church of believers, does well at leading people to Christ and getting us to this point of salvation. But there's a journey that continues beyond that, a journey of transformation, and that's really what Celebrate Recovery is all about. And so taking these two weeks, for me, and I think um, for this church, has been effective in kind of disarming what Celebrate Recovery is all about. It's a process for us to live into, people to to, uh, provide accountability for us in our lives. And um, and so this morning is is just a continuation of that. Uh, Steve and I, we have about seven minutes that's what we're going to take, about seven minutes. And, and what I want to do is, 
is walk through the eight recovery principles, just surface area, so you can see the work that we're doing. Um, the ministry of Celebrate Recovery is run by volunteers, right? Absolutely. And so it's not perfect. When you show up, sometimes it's a hot mess. It's broken. It's broken. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, there are people that understand and love the ministry, and so someone may not show up on stage when they're supposed to be there, but eventually we get them there. And, and so the ministry is so incredible. And, and many of you, you will find your forever family that will stand alongside you and support you and love you in the things you're walking through. So um, one of the things that I, I think we may have forgotten last week to do is just tell them when Celebrate Recovery meets. <laughs> Can you do okay. that? Like all this talk about Celebrate Recovery, you don't even know when it meets. Go ahead. One of the things we neglected last week, I neglected last week, was to announce that Celebrate Recovery that meets on Monday night is an adult-only ministry. It's for 18 years old and older. And that's due to the nature of some of our testimonies and the teachings and the things we deal with. They're not suitable uh, for adolescents or minor. We do offer uh, child care for uh, two months to fifth grade. We, uh, we start eating at 5.15. It's an affordable meal. We'd love for you to come out. It's always good. It's always home cooking. And then our program starts at 6. And we alternate each week between a testimony and a lesson. This week, we got a, a lesson coming up. Kyle, who came up earlier, we're teaching a lesson on grace. And, um, and then after that, we break into our small groups, uh, gender-specific and issue-specific. And then we eat again. That's right, because that's what we love to do. That's what we love to do. That's right. But we, we have a group for those that struggle with uh, unhealthy relationships. And we give them fruit. With food. Right? No. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's why you all are always offering it's me fruit. It's working for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things I want to do today is just talk through these eight principles. And uh, we've talked about these forever. But then as I sat down and looked at them, they really group into three categories that will make sense. The very first three are really the work of believers. And so, so just think about these first three as the work that we all do. And, and I would tell you that most churches do well, leading people to Christ. So what are those first three principles, surface area, tell me kind of how they do that. Those first three principles, they are basically the foundation on everything we'll do for the rest of your time in Celebrate Recovery in order to find the freedom that we're going to find through the eight principles. The first three principles have to be applied almost to perfection. It's, almost, it's, it's just the same thing we do as Christ followers. And, um, and what we have to do, the first thing and the most important thing is we have to step out of that role of Lord of our lives. It's so easy to give certain things to God and then that well, I can manage the rest. I'll get with you later on that. So it's about letting God have everything that we have. Yeah, realizing we're not God. Realize I'm not God. Realize I'm not God. It's, it's a rough path from here to here. That's right. But it is so worth it. And so those first three, the realizing I'm not God, earnestly believing that God exists, consciously choosing to commit my life, that's that salvation piece, right? That and is salvation in a nutshell. That's right. And, but then the next three, and I'm going to tell you churches as a whole to include ours. This is the challenge. This is life. We, we bring people to Christ, and then we're like, good luck. Go do your best that you can do. These next three are working through the process of building, rebuilding, reestablishing, or finding healing in those broken relationships. And so the next three um, principles, go ahead. These next three principles are about getting right with yourself and, 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 and your relationships with others. The first, first three principles get us right with, with, with ourselves and God, and the next one gets us right with our neighbor and the people that have harmed us and the people that we've harmed. And, and so what we have to do, we have to really take a hard, deep, long look at us. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, and sometimes that is the hardest thing is taking a look at us. Breaking through the shame barrier, breaking through the disappointment, the embarrassment, and looking at us through the lens of God. Right. And loving ourselves even though we're sinners and we fall short. So we look at that and then we give this stuff over to God. These shortcomings, these, 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 these defects of character, we give these over to God to help remove from us. Because we can't do it on our own. And then we go to our neighbor. We go to our, our husbands, wives, co-workers, whoever. And we make amends for the wrongs we've done. We, we offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us, which is the most difficult thing in the world. But once we realize how much it, how good it feels to be forgiven, it makes it easier to offer forgiven. And that is crucial 
if you're going to continue on as, on the path of, as a Christ follower. So those three steps, that's the work. That's what we do. That's really the work of life. That's the transformation that's piece. The, that's the gospel that's work it. inside That's it. And that's, I mean, your testimony you heard last week and about to hear, this process, they went through this very process in order to share this testimony that has brought them the freedom where it doesn't have any power over them anymore of the life of the past. Yep. And so that's where we get the last two steps. That's the last where two steps are now taking, last, that, taking that message out into the world, Those last right? two principles are, are basically maintenance. You know, as Christ followers, are, are, we, we want to stay in the Word. We want to, the Word's going to feed us, you know. Stay in the Word till the Word is in us, right. you know. And uh, so that's what we do. So that way we can bring people to Christ. And then that last principle says, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. And so this is what's going to happen today. Is um, Not everybody's going to have an opportunity to stand up here and share their testimony in front of the whole entire church. We understand that. But everybody will have the opportunity to share their testimony at some point in their life. I encourage you to get what I call an elevator testimony, just a a 90-second to two-minute testimony that you can share with somebody about the glory of God and what He's done in His life. I can promise you, if each one of us were able to do that every day, what a different place our world would be. That's right. And so as, as Jess is, is coming on up, you can go on, come on make your way on up here. Um, I just want to let you know that Jess has been doing this work, and um, it's incredible the work she's been doing. And as she stands up here, it's a vulnerable time for her to share some of these things. But um, God has done some incredible things inside of her life. And, and here's what I would say. I honestly believe that some of you, you woke up this morning, you come to church like you have done for many, many years, and you're going to hear things today that are going to start to pry the lid off of areas of your life that you have shoved so deep down uh, that you never thought they would come about. And my prayer is that God would start the work inside of you and that you won't just hide it, that you'll allow God to bring hope and healing. Amen? Can y'all give Jess a big round of applause? All right, let's make sure I'm all queued up with the mic. Okay, um, I am going to go ahead and open up in prayer so I can get my focus on, and then I'll jump into my story. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Um, I pray that this time would be honoring to you, Lord, and pleasing to you. And I pray, God, that you would soften hearts as I share your story in my life and your power in my life. And um, Lord, soften my own heart as I share, humble me. Um, Father, I love you, and I pray all of this in your precious and powerful son's name, Jesus. Amen. I am a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm in recovery from substance abuse and issues with lust, and my name is Jess. Hi! Today, I pray that you will lean in with me as I remember the pain of walking away from the Lord and remember the beauty of coming home. I was a really sweet kid growing up and sort of felt loved by everybody. I was the baby of the family and began holding on to this belief that I could do no wrong. I was so used to keeping up the perception of perfection that when I began to struggle with some really difficult things early on in life and onward, it seemed safer to keep my struggles hidden, to avoid altering people's perception of me, or worse, having to start believing these lies that were already taking root in my young heart, that I was broken and I wasn't the perfect angel that everyone thought I was. Like some of us, Dysfunction Junction was the starting place of my early years. Divorced parents, early exposure to drugs and alcohol, and sexual abuse became landmarks in my development that altered the way I thought, behaved, and functioned. My late teens and early 20s would be the place where I made a decision to do everything in my power to heal. I did therapy for a few years to reprocess the sexual trauma and depression that overwhelmed my spirit and poured my heart and soul into church and this new growing founding faith that I had. I remember everyone in my family being so proud of me when I graduated high school and later college. It's like they were saying, Jess, I'm so glad you made it to the other side in one piece. The thing is, though, the pieces of my life remained scattered and hidden behind all of my new accomplishments. And I wasn't able to let my family in on these pieces of my life. I thought that they were mine to deal with. Some days I didn't always trust them to help in my healing. So much chaos and pain came from my family. I wasn't sure if it was safe to let them in. On other days, I was too afraid to let down my facade. It was nice to start believing I was good and healthy and strong. 
Maybe if I kept convincing everyone else around me, I could start to believe it too. Things started looking up when I found my person. I met my husband on a mission trip in China. I was enrolled at a Christian college. I was pursuing faith and healing, and it all seemed so good and right and pure. I was actually starting to feel proud of myself too, even liking myself a little bit. I got married at the young age of 19 and took on the role of wife and eventual foster mom a few years later. Marriage and motherhood did not fix the broken pieces and the dirty habits that I had lingering in my heart. These roles were gifts, ones where I could have practiced vulnerability and strength and growth, but instead I hid behind these roles, desperate for help, but too prideful to let anyone in. I was so scared that anyone would find out that I was a fraud and I didn't know what I was doing. I was just a young girl pretending to be grown up and remained hidden. But I couldn't hide from my husband. Marriage has this way of exposing us for who we really are, and he knew me. He knew what was going on beneath the surface. That within the first couple years of marriage, I was depressed and suicidal. I struggled with attention from men, with an eating disorder, and I absolutely hated myself. It was scary to let him in and to see all of these hurts, these hangups, and these habits. But when I expected him to be shocked or disgusted with me, he leaned into the pain with me. I had support, and it's a gift I took for granted. Rob, Robbie Gallaty puts it this way in his book called Growing Up. I still allowed the distractions and devastation in my life to numb my mind and desensitize my soul from hearing God's voice. The more I began living exposed, the more I felt less alone, but the pain lingered for several years. Codependency eventually took root in our marriage, and I unintentionally suffocated my husband for years with all of these issues I was facing. And I refused to let anyone but him help me heal. This was a really dangerous choice, one that would isolate me from my family in a way I didn't even know was happening. And then it also um, exhausted my sweet husband in ways that I can't even fully see. My family only knew what was going on when it got too bad. When I was in an eating disorder treatment facility, my dad talked to me on the phone, and he said, hey, you know that song? I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not, I'm broken. He said, is that you? He didn't know it at the time, but that was the cry of my heart in my own personal anthem those days. He didn't know it, but man, I tell you, when he said it, it started forming cracks in the wall that I was unintentionally building between myself and everyone around me who longed to love me and support me. When he said it, I felt so understood. He sees me, he hears me. I said, well, Dad, I guess I'm just gonna be an open book from now on. He said, good, I wanna read it. That was the sweetest gift my father could have ever given me because it, was the, it became the building block to allowing people to start seeing underneath the surface. Still hiding behind all my new accomplishments, I started my new social work job just outside of college and was really proud of myself. But the lies began creeping in once again and I was terrified of anyone finding out again that I was a fraud. The exhausting and toxic work atmosphere tested my insecurities, but I was eventually promoted and things were starting to look stable again. This feeling of stability quickly faded when my dad suddenly died. And I couldn't hide behind my new promotion and pretend that everything was fine. I was not fine. I was spiraling and I tried coping by self-medicating to escape this overwhelming grief. I knew I wasn't functioning well and I knew I needed to leave my job, but the people pleaser inside of me just couldn't walk away. My position and my resume were the last good things I had left. I wasn't about to lose them, not on top of everything else. Tired of performing and drowning in grief, I asked my husband to make the call to my boss to finally cut ties with work. This relief that came over me was overwhelming, but so was the amount of shame and embarrassment from feeling like I couldn't make the decision myself, that I couldn't make any healthy decisions for myself. After I left that job, I returned to substance abuse, tried drugs I never thought I would, and leaned over bridges like it was the only way out. A friend told me that it wasn't just about getting high. It was taking a chemical vacation from facing who I really was. And I absolutely hated the shell of a person that I was becoming. 
After the first year of dad's death, I was numb, I was stuck on autopilot, and I tried to avoid the pain that was always threatening to take me out. One of my lowest points in, in life was in a dirty bathroom stall doing drugs at a skating rink at my nephew's birthday party. That really was the snapshot of my life. All of my family just outside the door and me hiding in my dirty habits, too scared to let anyone in. It was this gift that brought me into the rooms of recovery. I became desperate for more, and it scared me, and I knew I needed freedom. Eventually, a friend suggested I go to rehab. I told her I wasn't that bad off, but that comment stayed in my head. Through God blessing me with accountability and some moments of clarity, I decided to go. But I was still holding on to this prideful notion that I was fine. I would say, look at me getting ahead of my addiction. Before I lose my job, before I lose my family, I can do this. Anxiety discouraged me as I waited for weeks for a bed to become available. But I still tried to stay, to stay sane and clean and sober. In the waiting, a man from my circle of friends became flirtatious. Attention from men was a craving instilled in me since childhood, and one that would become my newest addiction. When the entanglement and flirtatious encounters with this man deepened, my secrets kept me so sick, and it showed. I acted out of character. I was unloving, secretive, moody, mean, withdrawn. My husband, who is a man after God's own heart and loved me through my most disgusting and my most dark days, eventually found out about this entanglement. We began marriage counseling and asked for God's help to make a way for us to invite clarity into our chaos. The thing is, I knew if I could just get to rehab, I would be better. Just like I hoped my marriage would fix the lust and insecurities, I was hoping and praying that rehab could fix me too. I could finally be whole and free and fixed from all the ways I tried to escape. I was so ready to finally be fixed. I first began tasting freedom in secular groups, but it was in rehab where I was first introduced to Celebrate Recovery. The secular programs were cool and all, but when I found out there were places that spoke the name of Jesus as the power to help me restore the wounds of my life and to help these addictions and this pain and this grief, I ran to those meetings longing for lasting freedom. After rehab, Celebrate Recovery was not an option in my area, so my focus on recovery started leaning away from Christ again. So when temptation came lurking around the corner, my lens was not as clear as it was when it was being strengthened through scripture and the power of Jesus represented in the rooms of Celebrate Recovery. Even though I felt like I had changed, temptation was just waiting on my return from rehab. John 10.10 10 says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and Satan didn't care how much recovery time I had or how much distance I had from the man I had an entanglement with. Satan was waiting for me. The thing is, temptation's never going to go away, and it will take on many forms, and I realize that now. I may be tempted to gain attention from men or to drink or use drugs again, but there's something else I'm absolutely sure of. God always provides a way out of temptation. God was fighting for me, and I could feel it in my bones, in my core, in my soul. My mom would call me and say, Jess, I got the whole church praying for you. I hear this song, God, turn it around, on the radio all the time, and I pray that song over you all the time. Anytime that comes on the radio, I just say another prayer for you. One night, I was leaving a meeting, and the same guy came up to my window even though I had already deleted and blocked his number, he tried inviting me into the familiar chaos I convinced myself I was free of. And wouldn't you know, God Turn It Around came on the radio, my song. And God was saying, Jess, run! Get out of there, just run! And man, I wanted to. I can't tell you how much I wanted to. The fire and the change and the fight to change was burning inside of me, and so was the temptation. Romans 7.18 says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I would love to tell you that I heard that song on the radio, and I stomped on the gas pedal and zoomed out of there. But instead, I turned down the radio. I tuned God out. I quieted the voice of reason and I entertained the entanglement once more. 
God gave me a way out and I didn't take it. With just a few short months of sobriety after rehab, wrestling with this new guilt and shame of the entanglement, I relapsed and eventually had a full-blown affair with this man. Through many tough counseling sessions, my ex-husband and I came to the decision to divorce. I moved back here to Florida, and it's not been easy by any means. But moving me to Florida was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Coming home has been my saving grace in so many ways. I can't hide from my family, and I have to learn how to lean into my support system and say, I don't know what I'm doing, help. <laughs> and what a sweet relief it is to be known, to be seen, and to be heard by the people who love you. And that's exactly what I find in the body of Christ and in the rooms of Celebrate Recovery. CR has become my sacred place to heal and grow and restore all the wounds of my life. Getting to share my pain in small groups, working through all the layers of junk on my soul, and spilling it out all in a step study is the process, the process, of bringing me back to sanity, creating space for God to come in and heal all of these hurts, these hangups and habits. People in CR speak truth over me. They fight for abundance alongside me. You know, I just talked earlier about how Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that's not the end of the verse. The very next sentence says, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance, and we have access to that abundance. When I utilize and lean into these relationships with my family and friends at CR, my life is full. It's full of beauty and accountability. Accountability and exposure sounds scary, and it's absolutely terrifying. But when darkness is exposed to the light, there's no room for it anymore. Darkness cannot consume us. Trust me, I get the addiction to the darkness and the comfortability of chaos. I've been so used to chaos since childhood. Brief seasons without it feel really strange. I was and still can be uncomfortable when things feel stable and calm. Now when I feel unsteady and seek acceptance and attention, I rest in the arms of Jesus and ask him to tell me who I am. I've had so many influences in my life that I've allowed to shape me and define me. My grandfather's abuse taught me at a young age to please people even when it feels unsafe, scary, or wrong. But Jesus tells me that I am protected and worthy of protection, that I am whole and precious. Drugs have taught me to escape the feelings of pain and heartache and self-hatred, but Jesus tells me that there is healing in working through the hurt, and he is near to the brokenhearted. Broken men have taught me that they can hurt me and abuse me and get away with it. But Jesus says that he will make all things right when I surrender to his will. My accomplishments taught me how to hide. But Jesus teaches me that living exposed offers freedom. Jesus is now teaching me how to truly live. And he was teaching me all along. It just took me a while to unplug my ears and receive it. He's teaching me to do things that breathe life back into me. I'm learning how to settle into the discomfort of big feelings and hard seasons. And I'm learning that freedom isn't just having the freedom to do whatever I want. It's the freedom to not have to do any of these things anymore. He's giving me examples like David, who didn't let sin become the pattern of his life, but chose repentance to be his new rhythm. My mistakes and my sin and my garbage don't have to be the place where I stay. I don't have to stay sick anymore. I can meet with the healer and pursue righteousness and healing. But God is a gentleman, and he's not going to force me to meet with him. The choice is up to me, and it's up to you. But he's right there waiting. Every time I sin and return to my own vomit, he's waiting for me to turn back to him, to experience his love that heals all wounds, so much of my old life had to die so that something new could rise up and take its place. And don't get me wrong, oftentimes I'm still so hurt and the healing process is a painful one. Just last, uh, just last Monday night, I heard a testimony on forgiveness. I got home and I had my shake, it, shake my fist at God moment and in my humanness, I yelled at God saying, do you not see what the enemy is doing? He's ripped apart my life and my marriage, and he's getting away with it. God, he's winning. Don't you want to win? And in his sovereignty and in his goodness and in his kindness, he gently responded, you don't get to decide what brings me glory. 
even when my version of a good ending isn't what's happening in my life. He is still working all things together for good. He is still working and he is still setting captives free and he has already won. The Bible says, Jesus said, it is finished. So when the hurt and the confusion bubbles back up, I'm reminded that there's life underneath the surface and that there is room for me to hurt while I heal. The end of my story isn't perfection, complete restoration, and the fullness of health and healing. It's the place where I pick up in continuation of these things, hoping for God's power to restore me one day at a time as I press into the race set before me. Hebrews 12:1 says, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I understand the fear of being seen. I challenge you to settle into the discomfort. God really will meet you right where you are. You can have life and have it abundantly. It's yours for the taking, and you have a place here. You don't have to wait for your rock bottom to chase after wholeness and healing in life. Just come. Psalm 27, 13 says, Come, taste and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So just come. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. I invite you, if you will, to stay up on your feet, and we're going to say a prayer and uh, open up the altars. Um, you, you don't get to decide what brings God glory. Isn't it incredible? I mean, we think of the work that God is doing in our lives, and to me, that's, that's a miracle. And as we do the work in all of our lives, working through the transformation, it's a miracle how God takes broken things and brings life to them. And um, today, you may be wrestling with a few things. Um, we'd love to pray with you, um, but maybe the process is what you're going to start on, and we're going to start this journey together. And in just a moment, we're going to open up the front. Addie's going to be on this side. I'll be over here on this side, and we'd love to pray with you. Um, but I just, I pray that you'll allow the words of this song to speak to your heart. It's like an anthem, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We trust you. And God, it's amazing to see the work that you're doing in, in some lives, but then to also know that every single person here has a story. We all have brokenness. We all have things that we've shoved deep down inside, and you care about each and every one of those areas. And I just pray that you once again, bring dead things to life. God, that you awaken inside of our spirits and offer us hope in some of those darkest of moments because there's a world outside these doors. God, it is hurting, broken, and lost. And they need to hear the words of the Savior inviting us to come home. We love you. We trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Search for the light of day to day. 
of the Lord. Amen. Man, who wouldn't want to serve a God like ours? You know what I'm saying? Man, I just, I just want to thank this church for embracing this ministry and thank y'all for the last two weeks. And just hopefully you've gotten a snapshot of what happens, what Jesus can do when we step out of the way and allow him to step in the place that we want to rule. Um, I just want to invite everybody, remind you again, we meet We meet every Monday night, 5.15 for dinner, 6 o'clock for, for service. Bring your bag of broken pieces and we'll help you put it back together. Let's go to the Lord prayer. Father God, we love you. I just thank you for this opportunity to stand here in front of my family and just give you all the glory for everything that's happening in this church, Father God. We just pray that, that you be with each one of us as we leave and we embrace the week ahead. Father, I ask that you place a hedge of protection around each and every one of us as we do your bidding. Father, we love you, we need you, and we just bless your mighty name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Have a good week.